Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. The 2022 salmon and trout season has come to a close and so for this episode we are doing a review of the brown trout lakes around the country to find out how the fishing has been, what the conditions were like and most importantly what the catch numbers were on the different waters. Paul Burke is a name that many of you might be familiar with through his 40 plus years with the Inland Fisheries Ireland as well as his monthly updates to Trout Salmon magazine. And we thought, who better to give us the roundup on the Irish fly fishing season just gone? And we begin with Loch Sheelan. Loch Sheelan started out brightly enough, tough. It has become a very tough lake in recent years. Um, there was a fair bit of fishing on it. Sadly, though, uh, duck fly did not materialise or people were not using it to catch fish, but they did catch fish. And mainly, if you read some of the reports early in the season, there was a lot of, let's put it this way, people who indulge in fishing lures and minkies and snakes and all sorts of uh, zonkers uh, down deep. And, um, you know, they're stripping fly line, which is grand. And they got some very, very credible fish. Uh, photographs, uh, you know, uh, plenty of photographs to substantiate that. Uh, but a lot of guys who are traditionally fishing what would be similar on carb uh, as a duck fly fishing, uh, maybe did not do as great, you know, in fishing terms. Uh, it was slow for anglers who persisted with normal wet fly fishing. Uh, but certainly people who would use other tactics like going down deep, uh, certainly struck gold and there was a lot of, you know, fish in the five, four to five, six pounds, seven pound bracket uh, taken that way. And uh, it's, it's really phenomenal, Paul, isn't it? It's really ph- phenomenal, I should say. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it is it is a lake that does throw up fish in the four oh, yeah. to six pound class. Yeah. You know, really, if you want to catch a fish in that class, you know, and yeah. I love my carb and everything, but, um, yeah. you know, Sheelan, Sheelan is the place to go to. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know what you're saying there. Definitely, there has been, I mean, it's happening, I think, all over the, the lakes here, but there's definitely a bit of a swing to, to pull a minkies, humonguses and things like that. Definitely an early season. Yeah. In a way, Tom, it's amazing when you talk about Loch Sheelan. It's a bit like a lot of anglers now in the greater Dublin area, for instance, who fish Sheelan, along with the cavern anglers and the local anglers there. Um Many of them, of course, at this time of year, all through the winter, are fishing rainbows uh, on the rainbow fisheries. And to be honest, when they switch over to Fishieland, they're fishing similar styles. It is, yeah. And, you know, the crossover is there, whereas heretofore, you're probably right, Paul. Maybe, you know, 20 years ago, a lot of guys wouldn't have that armory in their fly boxes. Oh, no. I was Loch Sheelan back in 1980. I was a pollution officer there for a while. And uh, I saw firsthand, uh, you know, we had proper duck fly. Not as good as carb, I have to say, because I've I've experienced both. But it was very good. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of buzzer fishing. Uh, Probably one thing that only, I don't know if it happens in carb, you would know it better than me, uh, Tom, would be... uh, in Sheelan, a lot of different types of buzzers, a lot yeah, of different ones. Yeah. The, the main one, of course, would be uh, what we affectionately know it as the duck fly. Uh, but there would be a lot of uh, cantos, green ones, you know, and uh, the guy that knew it would know his 
buzzers and the tyings for those in, in the various way, the balling buzzer, all of this uh, scored. And I had some very good fishing myself at that time too, when uh, when time allowed, you know. And then moving on then, though, Paul, I mean, what Sheelan is known for is Mayfly. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, that's the difference, isn't it? Uh, when I worked back there in the 1980s, no Mayfly. It was gone, wasn't it? It was totally gone. Um, the lake was suffering from a lot of slurry, inf- uh, uh, you know, which still goes on to a certain extent. But the only thing is that has happened since then, Tom, uh, is, is the, which has affected a lot of waters. A lot of trout waters as well as coarse fisheries, and that's the zebra mussel. And the zebra mussel has spread into Sheelan and all the nearby lakes and the Midland trout lakes as well. And it has filtered an awful lot of the, you know, it, it's clear water now. It's much it's, clear it's, it's really hard to know what it has done. You know, in one respect, yes, it has cleared the water, but in another way, has it affected the food source? Oh, sure it has to, because... If you look at the zebra mussel on the ground in the lake, uh, while it's doing great job filtering the water, uh, it is choking our invertebrates that are on the ground to a large extent. They really clump in their thousands. I'm sure you've seen them on boats that have not been cleaned and whatever. Uh, it's just quite incredible how they've, uh, uh, you know, They've done away with even in areas where there's been clean water, where the the anodontas and the pearl mussel, which is a huge animal, and yet just by sheer weight of numbers, the zebra mussel will kill them, just by just by choking the life out of them. And sadly, that has happened an awful lot of fly life in our, our Irish waters. Do you think it has affected the mayfly yet? No. If anything, uh, this year and last year and the years before on Loch Sheelan, for instance, the mayfly fishing, the, may, the hatches of the mayfly were terrific, terrific. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, the hatches are still there. Country. It's like a conundrum in a sense that uh, mayfly can only exist in clean water. I mean, you know, uh, it, it's uh, they they are the first thing to go if there's uh, any sort of bad pollution in a, in a lake. But there was a difference, a huge difference this year in the year 2022 on Loch Sheelan. The mayfly was scattered from uh, due to weather patterns during it. There was a lot more cold spells and it made fishing very difficult. Last year was a huge difference. Uh, last year, uh, the angling uh, conditions were good and people had uh, phenomenal fishing. Some people had phenomenal fishing. But even though that was happening and people were having extraordinary success at times, this year it was, uh, it was tough. It was much, much tougher. Now, the big ones all were caught. There was fish up to 10 pounds, uh, you know, I caught on. Was there actually? Was there? Oh, was yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know of at least three or four nine pound plus, you know, and wow. I know. Amazing. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Yeah. When you consider like in 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 reference to carb where there is ferox fish, no such fish exists in Chile. Mm. These are all your natural trout, you know. Now, 
you know, I don't know if enough work has been done scientifically to the, to why are fish able to grow to that size? You know, I know Sheelan was very rich in, uh, you know, mm. uh, but, uh, you know, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. It really is extraordinary. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is amazing. Now, I don't, I, I had heard as well what affected the, the spent gnat fish in there. The weather wasn't great though, Paul, was oh, it? No, no, no. no. It really... very cold nights. And, like, and you know, like, uh, most of the spent gnat fishing is evening fishing, uh, yeah. most part. And sadly, um, while daytime temperatures were okay most of the time, uh, the uh, there was a lot of wind at times, uh, and it was cold winds. It was cold winds from the Arctic, and certainly it made conditions very, very tough. I mean, I know good anglers that went out there, had bags of fish last year, and this year, they were blanking all over the place, you know. Uh, they were seeing hatches of fly and falls of spent. But sadly, I don't know whether uh, fish just were not coming like they were to the fly. You know, there was, uh, you earned your fish and people who got them, they were, they were the lucky ones, but there was an awful lot of blanks. But uh, generally the fishing uh, mayfly was... Tough, very, very tough. After that, then, Paul, how was the rest? Like, because you know, often hear about uh, the really good stage um, fishing on Sheila. Only there was some better fishing on Enel during the Mayfly. Yeah, that, I was going to touch on that. Yeah, yeah. How was Enel, Enel for? Yeah, Enel produced some uh, patches of fishing. You know, uh, for the people that know, there's. Uh, there's lads there to fish Enel over the years. I, I know some of them, I've met some of them, and they're very secretive. But uh, let's put it this way. They were doing okay, and they were turning nice fish. Maybe not in the same size range as Sheelan, but uh, let's put it this way. Four, four pounders were common enough during the Mayfly to those who knew how to fish it, and that's the right. problem. And, uh, and tell me this. Does it it does Enel still get a decent mayfly hatch? Or did yeah, it this year it was a, it was a, it, it it suffered the same problems as Sheelan. Yeah. Uh, it had the cold nights, etc. The falls of spent were poor, but actually the fishing to the green fly was not bad if you were in the right place at the right time. Don't forget, Enel is not far off the same size as Sheelan. It's slightly smaller, but it's quite a big lake. Just a thing there now, would it be, and sometimes I wonder this, would it be that there was probably still more fish caught on Sheelan, but because Enel is seen as, should we Very say, the harder lake, that there's, if there's any fish caught on it at all, people go, wow, catching fish yeah, off yeah, Enel. Yeah, is there yeah. a bit of that? There is a bit of that. And, yeah. you know, uh, unfortunately, we live in the time of Facebook and the Bush Telegraph and the whole lot. And when somebody hears of a good catch on Sheelan, they're all gone to Sheelan. And they will not touch Enel, you know. Uh, I mean, I take my own club in Leaksa. We have a boat on Sheelan and we have a boat on Enel, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Ool uh, as well was uh, fair. Actually, Ool fished probably of the two, three lakes. And, and we used to classify in the old days Enel, Ool and Sheelan as three three lakes in the Midlands. That was the... Uh, and, of course, the Arvara, which... Is not fished too much these days because the trout population is is much smaller nowadays. Though the Darvara anglers will always sing its praises, and that's great, you know. But uh, uh, you know, you, in case you don't know, we have a 
we have two bucket lists here. Yes. Oh, right. Okay. So we've the, the, the real, but well, the big bucket list, like based on okay. Patagonia and nice. Iceland. Yes. Then we have the small bucket list. Yes. And on my small bucket list is to catch trout off the river. Because I remember reading about Cecil Gibson uh, in one of the books, one of the anthology books. So, um, uh, and I'm catching a load of fish when it was still fishing well. So, yeah, Derivara is on my small bucket list, okay? So, actually, while, while we're on it there and we're still a bit around Mayfly, Arrow, how is Arrow doing? Arrow was much, well, let's put it this way. Some years I get no reports. This year, I actually got quite a few reports on Arrow. That, so much so that I was able to get a few reports into, into Trout and Salmon. So uh, Arrow did all right. It's one of my own favorite lakes, I have to say, during Mayfly. I've fished there because I've worked up there just at the right time back in the 80s. I, was, I worked in the Arrow area on and off, and I was lucky to experience uh, good Mayfly fishing there in the 80s. But this year... Um, local anglers will tell you that this certainly doesn't appear to be as big a population as those years because it's had some pro problems with pollution in a lot of the feeder streams, sadly. The lake itself is not too bad, though, and good mayfly hatch and fish in the sort of three, four pound range were fairly common, you know, for the reports. It's I a got. lovely lake, actually. It is. One of, one of my favourites. The drifts on, on Arrow are just something pleasant to fish. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And so you'd be inclined to think then, if you're talking about mayfly fishing, in so far what you're saying, probably Arrow probably be probably one of the better ones. One of the better in, what, ones. in what has been a tough year. Yeah, in what has been a very tough year. I got no reports from Ree or Derek. Now, I know of a few personal fish that I heard just by personal correspondence. There was a few fish caught down in Derg, down in Tipperary, Clare area, but it was generally poor, sadly. Sadly. Uh, and there would have been a fair bit of angling pressure there, local angling pressure, who believe in it. It's all they have, to be honest, unless they go up to you and Carib, you know. That's, yeah. uh, but it was poor. But sadly, this year, uh, re re had some fantastic fishing just on the quiet people were keeping it very close to the chest if you knew where to go on re being in a huge lake uh, there was absolute monster scott i mean there was fish i even i was able to get the trout and salmon about three four years ago fish of 13 pounds on the on the on the mayfly yep yeah. and that was it's probably the only lake that would equal Sheelan. Oh, yeah. the size of a fish caught just doesn't have, The amount of, because re, re is a mixed fishery, mm. there's a lot of what we would call boggy water, coarse fishing water type stuff. And then off the islands in the middle of the lake, uh, going up towards the top, there are good trout areas. And there still is huge fish, for instance, on the nearby river, any coming in there. Um, I know a lot of anglers in the Westmead area who keep that quiet, but uh, the river it's funny actually. You're saying there, sorry for butting in, but I yeah. it's true, and I understand it. But keeping it quiet is kind of you know, uh, and you, can, you can kind of understand it as well, it is. in all fairness, you know, yeah. you kind of can, but like, I mean, I think yeah. it's up for us as anglers 
ourselves to go and maybe look at places ourselves sometimes. I know. Rather than yeah. relying, like but you it mentioned, can't the bush on a lake like Re, uh, which is is uh, it can't, you know, you can be in a flat calm on Re, and the next thing, my goodness, no, I know you have the same thing in Mask and Carve, no different, but it, it can be quite dangerous out there on Re. It's uh, it's not to be taken lightly. You need, thank God, we've excellent weather services that allow us to be very careful in what we do, you know, uh, because um, it's a, it can be very, very dangerous at times. And sadly, we've had a few casualties, as you know, in uh, Henri. Yeah, unfortunate. And Tom, just how was Carb? I know we've touched on this briefly kind of a couple of weeks ago. I imagine what Paul has heard and what I'm going to say will probably be very much off the same hymn sheet, Paul. Yeah. Uh, nothing fantastic going no. out of Carb for this year or Mass for that matter. Uh, so if I was to say to you what my, my view in the lakes was mass fish very well to wet flies earlier on in March and probably April and then bar for a couple of days sometimes in May it just became tough from then on to the end of the season uh, Carob had little flashes when the weather was right up until May uh, a reduced hatch of buzzers the number it's very interesting that you thought that about the zebra mussel I do wonder I mean 15 years ago, we had fantastic buzzer fishing on car. Fantastic buzzer fishing that would last three, maybe four weeks. Doesn't last near as long now. And it, and it was basically the camp toe buzzer. Whether the whether the zebra mussel has an effect on that, that's a complete other story. But definitely the buzzer, the camp toe fishing, uh, wasn't as prolonged. If you if you hit the hatches right, yeah, you could have. And there was some excellent fishing. Mayfly was tough. That was that was it. Mayfly was tough, and for the rest of the season, it was tough. Yeah. And that's been the general uh, thing I've been getting everywhere. Uh, it has been generally tough everywhere. There was flashes here and there, as you quite, mm. quite rightly say, Tom. Uh, you know, there was periods there in the summer that Ool uh, came alive for a week or two, you know. But sadly, it, it comes back to the same old problem. We heard it only this week from the EPA, our water policy. Mm. And in our line of work, number of flies on lakes and rivers is way down, way down. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, we look at flies, for instance, that, that, uh, that Peter Driver and his gang are, are, are tying now to show us a different way of fly fishing on rivers in the main. Now, he does cover lake fishing as well, but, um, you know, our fly life on lakes and on rivers has dwindled because of our water quality everywhere. The number of olives, you know, you look at the old books, Tom, and look at all the all the different times for all the different forms of olives that appear on uh, all through the season. They're not there anymore. They're not there anymore. You know, I mean, I was laughed at on the phone the other day. Uh, about a month ago, when I rang and it said, I, 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 I said, no olives at all this in September. No, not to be seen. No, and that was terrible because our lake olives were uh, a huge. We, we waited for that in August when the fishing would normally get a bit more poor in our lake fishing. Yeah, we always had the olives to fall back in in September period. 
on most of our better lakes. We had hatches of olives, but sadly, that's uh, that's not anymore. It's uh, it's you know, and it's the same in river. I mean, we're going down. We're using uh, uh, beaded eye, uh, beaded flies now to get the get the flies down to the fish because they're bottom dwellers. They're just not uh, coming up. Well, nothing if up there. flies aren't there to bring them up, you have to go to where very, they are. Very rarely. Very rarely. Oh, no, it's not unknown, but it's uh, it certainly is rarer than it used to be. Tom and Paul, can I ask you, um, you know, you both used the word tough for the season. Um, how does it compare in, in terms of toughness in the last 10, 15, 20 years? Like, how do you... In one of the poorest years. Definitely. Yeah, it would be, yeah. I'll mention it quickly. Is I did get regular angling reports from Lacan. The only problem there was while there was fish, regularly enough caught on it, um, the number of rod people actually fishing there from, uh, you know, traveling and uh, catching lots of fish. Uh, minimal, minimal. I mean, the local anglers are getting a few fish all the time. But so are you saying the number of rod days we'd be down on Con? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, compared to the old days. I mean, the numbers you know, Con would have been good for giving reports as well at one stage, I, and it was good this year. It was yeah. good this year, Tom. I mean, I got good, accurate reports, but the, yeah. I, I, you've got to look at several things. Things go together. When I started fishing Con back in, I, I first trout fished with the fly on Loch Con in 1970. And Dublin trout, I was only uh, I was only out of school. And Dublin trout would go over there and still are going there to, to fish against the Loch Con anglers. It's a tradition going yeah, back. I know that match. Yeah. And uh, they still do it. But the number of fish that they catch is very, you know, very small, both on Con and Cullen. But, uh, and they had made fly, but not of any grace, uh, uh, nothing to write home about. But, you know, there's two hotels gone there, you know. And I remember those full, full of anglers there who were taking a break from, from salmon fishing and actually fishing on Con just to do something different, you know. Can I ask you, um, Paul and Tom, on this as well, is how do you, how do you balance, right, between... You want to tell the truth, right? Things are tough, right? You know, maybe the, the numbers aren't there, you know, the fly life isn't there, whatever, right? But at the same time, you want to, you know, expound the positives. Oh, yeah. How do you, how do you get that balancing act? Because I presume, you know, I, presume, I know there's plenty of anglers out there, you know, you hear them all complaining, I, you know, they're not telling the truth. They're only, you know, exaggerating for their own sake or whatever. But, like, it is a tough balancing act, isn't it, between... I ask a simple question. The truth I only wish are all fishermen liars or do all liars fish? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know it off by heart. Yeah, but it's what you say, Dara. I mean, like, yeah, but like, of course, there is there's always going to be there's always going to be a bit of exaggeration, a bit of and a bit of um, embellishment. I think, yeah, it's it's renowned for it, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, Paul, you have to, I mean, you you're only getting reports. You can and same with myself. Yeah. You're only getting reports. I mean, basically, you're the messenger. Yes, <laughs> but you can't you can't make up stuff, and I never have, you yeah. know. And okay, I might have been accused many times of uh, 
Oh, you're only telling the good news. You know, I mean, you never tell us if it's terrible, you know. And I suppose I could be sometimes guilty of that. That's, you know, I'm not going to say that the whole, you know, I just don't put it in. That's, yeah. you know, there was weeks there that went by and absolutely nothing happened, you know. Yeah, uh, so nothing went in. Nothing went in, you know. That was uh, a sign of a sign of time, sad times, you know. Um, it's it's it is. I, I'm sad to say. I, I go back to the, what I said to you a minute ago about the water quality. It is. It is until things improve. Well, it's something you said there about the flies, and I, I always bring it up. And I remember growing up, and when my dad would ever come down from Dublin. He would have to clean the windscreen halfway down. Yep. In a summer evening and clean his headlights. He would he would actually clean his headlights as well. With all the flies, any summer evening, your, your windscreen would just become a mass of dead flies. You do not have to do that. Never. Never. No, never no, have to do that. No. I've done enough evening fishing everywhere in the Midlands and wherever. Mm. And coming home in the dark, you know. You know, going on to another very important cycle, for instance, for anglers this side of the country, the, the country in Dublin, the greater Dublin area, who would normally fish the Midland Lakes in July for the Green Peter. Mm. This year, virtually none. You know, if you... I saw, heard that. I heard it was really saw, cool this year. You know, uh, I was out in Enel one evening and... I saw two green peters on the boat the whole night. And I saw none on the water. And I was just flailing away. Uh, what am I doing here? <laughs> Do you worry, actually, um, Paul and Tom on this, that... Okay, a couple of things on that. One is... Okay, how, do how do you encourage more people into the sport when it's tough, right? You know, it, the whole act of fishing, it's getting harder, Okay. Um, that's a scientific fact. But also, secondly, do you do you worry that anglers, the kind of, not the diehards, because they're always going to be there, right? But, but the ones who do it, you know, they might, you know, do their annual trip to, you know, for the Mayfly or, you know, they, they might spend a couple of days fishing during the season. But that you'd worry that they'll start drifting away going, oh, Jesus, it's not, you know, you read about in the UK. Yeah, it's not easy, like, you know. And, and the sad thing is, like, uh, I look at my own club here in Leakslip. Uh, years ago, we had a huge junior section. It, doesn't, it hardly doesn't exist anymore. Mm. It hardly doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, so. well, we've touched on that before a bit here, actually. Yeah, yeah. We've touched on that before. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm, I, I'm in awe of anybody who can get angry, uh, youngsters interested, you know, because it's tough. Um, but it's like well, it's hard what you said. If you if you were trying to bring somebody out uh, there, let's say for example, you talked about the green peter fishing, yes. right? You so said you bring them out onto Enel, and of course you go out and there's two, you see two green peters, and of course you'll think there's no fish in it. And the lake actually we haven't brought up yet. I was going to go on the reports. It's Loch Lean, right? I, I fish Loch Lean a bit. It's a great lake, great lake. Now I was going fishing, to bring that one up. Yeah, peter fishing was really bad in Loch Lean as well this year. But the lake was stuffed with fish. We know this is a stock fishery, right? Yeah. But still, for your peter fishing, you weren't going to catch fish. Yeah. Well, so basically, you know, it's, you know, it's, I won't say it's cart and horse. I don't know what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, right, 
the fish are there, but we need certain conditions to get them up. And right. once you get that, then people have action and then people will want to fish. Right. Yeah. So you yeah. need conditions. And with them back to what you're saying, Dar, I think what you need is, and we often say it here, every couple of years, what we say in Doris and Cornamona here is we need a good mayfly. Mm. Need a good mayfly. People will come back and they'll put up with tough fishing one, two, maybe three years. Maybe, maybe. But if it keeps going after that, but if they get one good year, they're happy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It was strange to say that on lean, for instance, there was too many people fishing at times. There was. Yeah. And they were getting rainbows. Hmm. Very, very few brown trout were caught at all. On hmm. lean. Very hmm. few. Now, there was people who were getting success at my own club and they were telling me, oh, I'm using rainbow tactics. I'm going down, down deep. Because fly life, nah, 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 nothing's coming up. So we're going down after them and we're, we're sort of saying, we're doing what some of the anglers, as I said to you, in the early season on Sheila, they're stripping lures, they're stripping minkies and zonkers and everything like that. Mm. That's the name of the game. And the faster you can strip it and whatever and cast a long line and whatever, it all helps. It all helps, mm. you know. And I even hear people anchoring up where they think they might be, you know. They, these guys with no lay. See, the lane and lock of lane are easy to fish insofar as they're, they're nice size, you know. They're only a small bay in our big lakes, you know. I fish lean quite a bit, actually. Yeah, I, I, I like lean. I think, I think the quality of the fish in it is great. We're going on. It is, it's actually very it's beautiful. Lake. It's very pretty. It's a beautiful lake, yeah. 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 It's a great amenity, actually. It's a great amenity. It is, but it, only, it'll only take so much pressure, Tom. You know, the great thing you have on the carb and mask and all these places, and even a, you have room. Even yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. Bo boats can disperse. Can boats disperse. Can and, uh, you know... Um, it is. It's hugely sad, you know. Tell you, all this talk of lures and stripping flies, it's reminding me of salmon fish. <laughs> there you have it. Well. <laughs> but like, you know, we're even going to have to redefine the term fly fishing and what you're saying. <laughs> well, yeah, but look, come here, look, you know, a bloody butcher or silver invicta never represented a fly. That's right. That's yeah. right. I, mean, I would use uh, in my young days on the on the River Liffey. Uh, I would use those sort of patterns um, every day. The ESB used to let out water from Pool of Fuca down the Liffey mm. five times a day. And when that water came down in a rush, I would switch to a wet fly cast. But there was so many different dry flies, so many olives on various things on sedges in the evening, whatever. Uh, that I would have, I'd always have two rods with me yeah. on the Liffey, and I would sort of work a, a patch on the Liffey, uh, you know. And when the flood came down, out with the wet fly or what you just said there, the butcher and the uh, and the fancy flies as we called them, uh, because they would work. They would Silver work. Victor, butcher, Peter Ross, yes, yeah. all those, yeah. Yeah. and the black panel, and yeah, all all of those. Yeah. Will we ever see a day? Um, is, is this heresy? Tell me. Is this your worst nightmare? That car will have to be stocked. No. 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 No, no Dara. Uh, look. I, I don't think so. Uh, the car has 
is what you call proverbially stirred. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 it is, yeah. My late spoon you have there, Dan. I'm going to get killed for saying this, but my late colleague, uh, Dr. Mark McGrady, did manage to do a stock assessment on carb uh, before he died. And uh, he was able to assess that the carb has, because of its excellent network of uh, feeder streams into the lake, uh, you know, um, has more than enough fish. You know, sadly, uh, if the fish are down deep and they're not coming, there's not much fly life, they're not going to come up. And that's been the problem more than the fact that the population is there. You know, it's like Enel. Enel, sadly, was grossly polluted back in the 80s by the sewage. Uh, Ever after, the fish never really learned to come back up for the fish. They became bottom feeders. We would hate to see carp go that way. Yeah. Who knows? You know, I don't know. Actually, ju- just made me think of it there because I always think, you know, carp has great spawning stream and then the local one to me, and we haven't asked you yet and we did mention it up. Cara. Cara is a lake that I always... Yes, I've fished Cara last time and I always, I did. A beautiful lake, beautiful lake, but there's nothing yeah. like uh, spawning streams. And Cara, you, this has got me onto it, Cara. Cara used to be stopped. Carrie used to have a, an actual fish cages on it, Paul, didn't it? That's right. That's fish right. cages on it, and it was stocked yeah. with uh, takeable fish. Yes. Um, but Camira, we did we didn't ask uh, reports from Cara this year. Like I'm I'm close enough to Cara to fish it, but I'm far enough away to be no. not to I be told. Heard one report from Cara this year, sadly. Are you serious? I, yeah. No, I did not. Um, I heard a couple of smi- uh, you know, one man catch uh, going out there and giving a day on Cara, right? And catching lots of small fish, you know. Um, but I mean, it's uh, a lovely, beautiful lake to fish. I've fished it many, many times, and indeed, my own colleagues in the Inland Fisheries Trust, uh, Western Regional Fisheries Board, we often held many of our own staff competitions on carry, you know, and we did very well on it. We did catch, but there was plenty of fly life, Tom. There was plenty of mayfly. There was plenty of other flies. It's funny because the mayfly is funny, Gary. The mayfly is gone from Carrie. Gone. Yeah, gone. It's gone since the mid nineties. I, I I was lucky enough to fish it, and it was the first time I fished it for one of the last mayfly hatches, and it was phenomenal. I'd never seen anything like it. It was something equivalent like what you'd hear about Sheelan, where the place was just carpeted with it, and I've never seen it on it since. So why did it disappear? Probably water quality. Oh, water quality. Definitely. Specific Definitely. to what? Like? Uh, it could be sewage, could be farming, it could be yep. uh, many, many... It might be reversed or stopped. The problem with with the uh, with Cara probably built up the, the the water turnover in Cara is very slow, so it built up for a long time. Like the the inlet, the inflow and the outflow to Cara is minuscule, as opposed to Cara, which is huge. If ever you stand on the bridge at the Salmon Weir in Galway and look at the amount of water going out, you just realize, God, that's coming out of Cara. Uh, Cara is completely different, and I'm right in saying this, Paul. It is built up. It built up over time. It has slowly. I was lucky enough to be working there and fished Cara in the really good days of the late 70s and 80s. Yeah. And the mayfly fishing was phenomenal. I actually remember putting up casts um, of two and three mayflies on a cast and often taking in two fish at a time. Yeah. And I'm not, a wouldn't be of the same caliber as you, Tom, in terms of, uh, but I'd be okay. I, uh, you know. Mm. I'd be all right, you know. I'd catch a few fish, 
uh, in my good days. Yeah. But uh, no, Cara was a very exciting lake. The fish may not have been bigger, uh, as big as other places, but uh, great fun. Great fun. Grant, I think I'm just looking at thinking of other lakes than Cara. That's that's a pity about it. Uh, do, you, do you ever get um, reports from Melvin? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, Melvin. Uh, in fact, there was quite a few reports, and I know that because uh, Melvin and the nearby River Drows, they I don't write those reports for trout and salmon because the local a local man writes them there. But right. I know yep. Melvin was not too bad. Uh, right. a fair Sonahan fishing on it. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. It hadn't the worst of seasons, certainly. You know, um, it was uh, pretty good brown trout fishing. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, I heard quite a bit from Melvin this year. I just kept an eye on it, and uh, certainly it was more lively than uh, what we experienced elsewhere around Ireland. To be honest, it was. There seemed to be fly life, which was, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was good. You never did the reports then for Earn, of course. Earn would no, have been. No, no, I did not because, as I say, that was, uh, you know, uh, um. I that would, was under Defer or something. I would get reports when you from the Locks Agency, uh, yeah, oil and whatever. In my days writing on salmon and trout fishing, and those days they would give me the salmon returns. All right for the yeah. of the last lake I wanted to ask you about. Yes, uh, do you ever do much? Because I think it's one of the most beautiful lakes in Ireland to fish. Loch Lean and Killarney. Oh yeah. Do you ever? Did you ever reports there? Would you be doing much? Or I tried salmon information and sea trout fishing. Uh, information seemed to be okay. That's that was yeah. fine. I used to get yeah, that yeah. fairly regular. But uh, when it came to the brown trout fishing and Loch Lean and and the other lakes there, it kept very quiet. You know, and I even uh, had the pleasure of fishing uh, with some of them. And uh, I said, you know, the, the, the brown trout fishing here is not bad from what I've seen. And I'm it's not fish, but it's 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 it can be really good. Yeah, oh, it can be really good. Yeah, I did experience a couple of good days on it indeed myself, which was, uh, uh, it was lively enough. It was lively mm. enough, yeah. Paul, you mentioned trout and salmon there. Yeah. Um, you must be a thankless task <laughs> compiling <laughs> the reports. Um, uh, like, I, I can only imagine the amount of chasing you have to do. Ah, uh, yeah, but it, it, it's a two-way battle sometimes. Most of the time I'm, I'm scratching, you know, I'm, I'm here with a notebook and I'm taking notes as well as getting, of course, assistance from my former colleagues in the IFI. I do take the, I started that uh, off uh, myself as, uh, back in 1989 and they're carrying it on. They're still taking reports where, where they can get them. But sadly, this year, unfortunately, there, there wasn't many reports from the West, which was a pity, you know, but I did get some. Yeah. And so you were in the IFI pretty much your whole career, was oh, it? 40 years, yeah. I started in 75 and I retired in 2015. Yeah, I'd done my 40 years in two days. Wow. How was it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What was the biggest change? Oh, well, sure. I went through all the different changes. I mean, you know, I started off in the Inland Fisheries Trust. Um, one of the interesting things is I'm one of a dying breed Um I bought what was called a, a life membership of the Inland Fisheries Trust, which today is still in law. If you look at the Inland Fisheries uh, Inland Fisheries Ireland Act of Parliament, is uh, the people who still 
retained or inland fisheries are entitled to free fishing on the likes of Loch Sheelan and uh, Loch Ool and Loch Ennell. Uh, I'm still, until I die, I can't pass it on. Uh, it dies with me. And I believe I was talking to one of the ladies in the office and I think there's about somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 people still. I'd say in the next 10 years, though, I'd say we're, it'll be gone. We had, on when legislation was made for the Central and Regional Fisheries Board back in 1980, when Brian Lennon, uh, senior, was the minister, putting the legislation through the doll. And then when Inland Fisheries Ireland was created in the 90s, um, we had to bring it to the attention of the department that if they dared let any of us not have the rights which we were entitled to, which was when I bought my life memberships, it was over a week's wages. 40 quid, was it? Oh, at the worst, it was 20 pounds. But that's when we were earning. Was it, was it, yeah, I know. Yeah. For some reason, it was 10 pounds before that. But that was when 10 pounds was 10 pounds. I mean, 10 pounds. <laughs> all that money, you know, I mean, God yeah. almighty, you kidding? Yeah. I mean, you could hire a ghillie for two quid, for Christ's sake. Well, you still can, <laughs> Don. You could for ghillie for two fifty. You know, <laughs> so it was a lot of money. Uh, and um, Paul, tell me this. In, in your 40 years there, what was the biggest positive you've seen? I suppose until the 1990s that we had staff, there was people out doing development, there was people doing research, and there was people doing doing protection. Now, sadly, nearly all staff now in the fishery, in Inland Fisheries Ireland, in the various offices all around the country, it's they're only doing protection, which I would claim is poor. You know, uh, it's not what, what it's certainly not what was envisaged in the act, you know, that we're doing little or no development work, very little. And is that just a budget issue, you think? Oh, it's a budget issue and a manpower issue. You know, there's not demand. As I said to you, there's only two people now working the whole Loch Sheelan, you know. You look at the value of that fishery, you know, to the state uh, in terms of uh, visitor nights, bed nights, whatever, you know, it's still, while it might have had a very, very tough year this year, a lot of people still come to fish it, you know, even from abroad, you know. Uh, you'll always note that if you work in the lake or are fishing there, you will note there's a, a fair cohort from across the water fishing it, you know, during the Mayfly period, you know. Yeah, I, I actually fished it a week ago in October. Yeah. This place was closed. Actually, it was, you know, yeah. uh, it's great fishery. It's a great fisher, you know, yeah. but uh, there's really, yeah, it's like what you say, but like um, when you hear staffing levels going down to that. So yeah. like, hmm. And when you consider, Tom, what's sad is while we've talked earlier in our, our podcast about uh, zebra mussel, there is still a lot of pig farms around Loch Sheelan that need constant monitoring. Uh, those streams where all these fish spawn still need to be cared as much as carbon and mask and all the other fisheries, all these places, you know, you have only to look at the EPA. Uh, all these have deteriorated because there's been a lot of house building and a lot of the sewage treatment plants in all our towns all around the country are not up to task. Basically that there's been a fair bit of pollu other pollution, but not, not in the same category. Uh, the number of houses going up everywhere in all the major centers has contributed to 
uh, overloading of sewage works, etc. And again, it's that fine balance, though, isn't it, Paul? That you know, development is needed, but at the same time, see, you know, you'll, you, I'm sure you know, politically, uh, uh, planning system in this country is not exactly uh, uh, up to the scratch. You know, when it comes to uh, looking at all these things that you know would prevent the building of houses. But you were telling me before, sure, you worked, you did survey nearly all the lakes in Connemara. I mean, like we drove for hours. I mean, particularly. Me and so because when I got when I got my first car, Paul, yeah, I just started with O'Reilly's book and just drove all over through Connemara in my Opel Cadet 619 OIM, yeah, yeah, my blue Opel Cadet, and with my uh three piece rod in three sections on the back seat, and just went to every place. And I, you know, some of these places, so yeah, I'd love to, yeah, but that's what I learned in Connemara, Tom, was I was really taken aback. I had fished in the old days with my with my uh, Kingsman Moor flies for sea trout when there was sea trout in Connemara in their droves. And I enjoyed that in the 70s. And then in the 80s, things started to go a little bit awry. And then in the 90s, it was collapse, you know. Uh, but I was lucky enough to do it, to have that, um, to enjoy that. But what I didn't know until I surveyed the lakes in the middle 80s, in Connemara was the range of lakes. I always assumed that, okay, west of the carb, there was nothing but bog, and there, ergo, there was nothing but uh, poor lakes. You know what I mean? Poor lakes. Ah. But <laughs> in the middle of all this, near Clifton and various places, where these rich trout fisheries, and I couldn't get over. I went into these places. I said, well, hold on. And then I could see it. It was back to the suck because the suck showed me so much. I learned so much. There was raised bog right to the banks of the river suck. But what was underneath that? Pure limestone, pure chalk. So the pH on the river suck, as well as these other lakes in Connemara, was actually quite rich, even though not all, not all. There was, you know, when you take the lakes near the 12, your 12, the 12 bends or the 12 pins in Colomar, they would be slightly poorer. There would be, you know, the, the, the pH in those would be slightly poorer and the trout would be consequently smaller, but often were very good salmon or sea trout fisheries in their days, uh, as they were. You know, uh, so you've got a, a great mix, but a lovely place. Well, you have a lifetime of stories and memories and insights. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell me this, our final question to you. We ask this for everyone. Yes. What was your most memorable fish? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I know. Actually, it'll bring me to one other. I, I would say my big trout last year from Mask. But then this year, <laughs> that was doubled last month. I presume both of you have seen the fish. Mm, I have actually, oh, yeah. My, my goodness. Yeah. Now that's a fish of a lifetime. Yeah. It's a fish of a lifetime. Believe it or not, I put I wrote a story about the fish for my to go into the December to be told by my editor in Trout and Salmon. Uh, we had that story in the November issue. I haven't collected my November issue of Trout and Salmon. The capture of the fish actually put it to Trout and Salmon, sent a photograph and the whole story. So uh, 
the editor, she said to me, uh, the sub-editor in Trenton Sam, she said that we won't carry your report in December because it's already been in the... Uh, no, my big, my big trout. I've never caught a, a trout that big before. A ten pounder in mask, which was wonderful. You know, but, uh, give us the backstory to it. Where... Yeah, tell us, tell us about it. There is a. I, I uh, we're really taught about fly fishing, and I wasn't caught on the fly. I'm afraid, which is a pity. Which is yeah, a pity. Yeah. Uh, actually, what was the highlight for the trip? When the trout, of course, was a huge personal milestone for me. Um. I caught uh, a mid-double pike on Lockhorn on the flight on the same trip. Oh, my goodness. That, yeah. I know this is heresy to maybe some of the people listening to this podcast. Uh, to play that fish just behind the old Pontoon Bridge Hotel, it was the most exhilarating fish I've ever... I, I have... I've caught brown trout in the fly to five or six pounds. That's fine. But, uh, you know, they, and they were all memorable. Of course they were memorable. Every one of them were memorable. Of course they were, you know. Uh, but uh, that pike was just, I, you know, when you see your rod and it's bent in under the keel of the boat, it's getting a bit exciting, you know. It's, uh, it has a, it has a, an adrenaline. I've had the pleasure of catching salmon on the fly up in Con actually years ago. Yeah, I've had a few on the on the fly on the on Lock Con in those days. You know, but uh, fantastic, yeah. fantastic stories, um, Paul, and, and memories and, and insights into it. Um, let's hope for a better twenty twenty three. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, I just yeah. actually, I think yeah. Paul will agree with me. There was periods this time this year that the, this extraordinary weather we've had this year really had a bit of an impact on some of our fishing at different stages. Particularly, to be honest, Paul, I do agree with you on that. I think the weather yeah. had a huge impact on us. Yeah, I think it did. I, I really do. Fall, yeah, but I hate to fall into the trap of solely yeah. blaming the weather, but it really did have a huge impact on us. Yeah, it did. Um, uh, I it's funny my my main editor in Trout and Salmon he actually spent a few days canis fishing on Carob there and he wrote about it in his editorial uh, mm. two months ago and he said uh, last year he went out with Larry McCarthy and he he just uh, had a fabulous time <laughs> this yeah. year he had to absolutely he got a good fish in the end but my god he said he's, it was a struggle and he yeah. was up at early light and whatever the, as you do. <laughs> the best as of you it, do. Yeah. As, as you do. And he says, by God, it was tough this year. And that's exactly how our season has gone this year. It's tough. At yeah. least anglers were, were eternal optimists or are we very short memories? Ah, yeah. so. well, I mean, he, was, he went straight back to the same place where he had won a beautiful article in Trout and Salmon the year before of his phenomenal canis fishing on Loch Arab. You know, but uh, he couldn't really repeat it. So he just put a, a, a couple of lines in in his editorial that he still enjoyed it, but by God, it was tough. Just like our brown trout season this year. Better days will come. Better. Lekunu Jay. Lekunu thanks very much for joining us. Not at all. My pleasure. Our thanks to Paul Burke for joining us on the show. And don't forget to rate, review, and follow the Ireland on the Fly podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. 
Plus, you can keep up to date on IrelandTheFly.com as well as on Instagram. And myself and Tom will be back with another episode about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. <laughs>